As I was preparing for this series in the book of Acts, uh, you've had lots of time to get there, Acts chapter 1, all right? I began to think about the storyline of the Bible. From start to finish, uh, who were the men and women that God chose to use? Those high points of scripture where God was doing things that were beyond what we're able to do. And the thing that struck me so clearly was all of the failure in the people that God chose to use. Are you tracking with me? Like every single person that God chose to use throughout the entire Bible was a failure. I took 30 seconds, I limited myself 30 seconds on an airplane to come up with a list from the beginning to the end of how many people I could think of just off the top of my head that were failures. 30 seconds, that's it. Now, I get it, I've I've been a Christian for a very long time. I mean, I grew up in the church I think I was born at the church and uh, certainly uh, baked at the church in my mommy's belly as she was serving in the church. So I get it. I've been doing it for a long time. But just listen to this list in just 30 seconds of thought. Lucifer. You know who Lucifer is? He was the worship leader in heaven. And then he decided that he could be God. And you know what God thought of that? I don't think so. And he got kicked out and became Satan. Worship leader in heaven. Satan, prince of the power of the darkness of the world. It's quite a demotion. (laughs) He never recovered, by the way. (laughs) The rest of them, it gets more encouraging as we move forward. Adam and Eve, our first parents, given the perfect opportunity To do things the right way. And how did that go? Horribly wrong. Noah, Moses, Abraham and Sarah. Think about Abraham and Sarah. They were so old, there was no way they were going to have kids. And God said, I'm going to give you kids. And then I'm going to make a great nation from your kids. And you know what Sarah's response was? (laughs) And God's like, why are you laughing? (laughs) Do <laughs> you ever do that? Some, you ever start laughing at somebody when they tell you a story and they're like, then you realize they weren't kidding? <laughs> You're like, let's try that again. <laughs> Gideon, hiding when God said you're a mighty man of valor. Was Gideon a mighty man of valor? You can answer. This isn't school. No! He wasn't a mighty man of valor. You know how Gideon described himself? I'm the smallest kid in the smallest family, in the smallest town, in the smallest tribe, in the smallest country ever. (laughs) Samson. Now, he actually was a pretty big deal. (laughs) He was the man. Until what? Ooh, we found that Delilah. Just like the one on the radio. Delilah. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Do you ever listen to that at Christmas? It's the only time it's acceptable, guys. All right? If you had that on this weekend, don't tell anybody. Samson saw Delilah and that was it, right? 
the, the mission, the purpose that he had been given by God, gone with the shave of his head. How about the whole nation of Israel? Let's just lump them all in together. <laughs> just the whole country. Cry to God, save us! So God does crazy stuff. Crazy stuff, like the parting of the Red Sea. And they cross on dry ground. And then God drowns their enemies in the same Red Sea. And they get on the other side and they're like, Man, why did you save us? <laughs> You're like, wait, what? And that's just one of like a hundred stories that we could tell. What about King David? The man after God's own heart. Adultery. Murder. How did that legacy happen? Think about Solomon, David's son. Here's a guy that was given a request by God, like a like genie in a bottle type stuff. Ask me anything and I'll give it to you. I mean, how many of you have got some stuff saved up from when you were like a kid? If I ever get that opportunity, here's the things I'm going to say. Like we've daydreamed about like that weird stuff that's never going to happen. You know you have. Don't act like I'm the only one. Right? Where you're like, if that ever happened, here's how I do it. You know, we play games like this or that or you know, we, we make this stuff up because we're dreamers at heart. We, we see something bigger than what we're capable of. And here's Solomon, a guy who was given that opportunity. And he got the answer right. And God says, not only am I going to give you all of the wisdom in the world, I'm going to make you filthy rich because of it. So now you've got all the money you could ever want. And you have God's wisdom hand-delivered. And how did that go for Solomon? He used it all to amass women. Just keep amassing women. Failure. Let's get holier. How about Job? God takes everything away. Job's response, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. How many of you, that, that that was when your kid disobeyed this week, that's how you were like, Lord gives, the Lord takes away. You're like, I know about that taken away thing. Take it away. But eventually, I haven't seen my kids for two weeks, so it's, I'm like really, where we were fresh yesterday. We had a great day. <laughs> I was patient and kind and loving. Just give me till next week. We'll be back to normal. Job's doing it all right. Laying in a pile of ashes. His friends come up. Are like, dude, you're an idiot. What'd you do? You, you had to have sinned. He's like, I didn't. I promise. But eventually it wore even righteous Job down, didn't it? And he questioned God. Which seems so okay, right? <laughs> like how many of us are questioning God like on a daily basis? Like what are you doing? What are you not doing for me? Job was righteous. I mean, even the Bible called him righteous. He asked God a question and he got several chapters of response back. Who are you to ask me what I'm doing? Even Job. How about King Saul? Back up to King Saul. Man, the first king of God's chosen people given favor from God 
But what happens by the end of the story? He's insane with his love for himself. Let's go to the New Testament. How, how about Peter? I mean, Peter gives all of us hope, right? <laughs> I mean, how do you go in the garden from chopping a guy's ear off, I will die with you, Jesus. And then he proves that he sw- swats a guy's ear off with a sword. It's a good thing he didn't have good aim, right? Like he just would have lopped that guy's head off. Just a couple days later, he's denying Christ to a woman. What happened? Chopping a soldier's ear off to denying him to a woman. Failure. Imagine how Peter felt when he heard that rooster crow. How about Paul? He refers to himself as the chief of sinners, the worst sinner that he knows. Murdering the church becomes the greatest evangelist we've ever seen. How about two of the other disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder? (laughs) I mean, they, they roll up to Jesus and are like, listen, if you need anybody to help you rule... When you get on the throne, where are your guys? They see a crowd of people, and they get kind of annoyed. Anybody been annoyed with some people before? Yeah, you're all liars. You're not raising your hand. All right? What did, what did, what did they do when, when they got annoyed with the crowd? They go to Jesus and be like, listen, Jesus, if you want. I mean, I know you're busy. So if you want us to go ahead and call down fire from heaven to consume all the people... You just say the word, big guy. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. I mean, who says, first of all, who says that? Hey, Jake, you want to get a flamethrower and just mow all these people down? <laughs> like, who says that, first of all? Second of all, who says it to God? <laughs> There's so many things wrong with that. First of all, you don't have the power to call down fire from heaven. I do, right? But the legacy we have from them is all here. What God chose to do with them is amazing. What about John Mark? He obviously dropped the ball somewhere and the Apostle Paul is like, you're useless. We're, you're never working with me again. Even Barnabas abandons Paul to go help John Mark. <laughs> you just, you look at the scripture And what you see from start to finish are not a bunch of heroes. You see one hero, and his name is Jesus. What I want to do with this first section of the book of Acts is take and reset for you and I our perspective on life. Okay? We need a whole reset it's like when we used to play sega back in the day or like super nintendo some of you are so old you played atari i'm sorry sorry should we do a raise of hands who had an atari (laughs) that's not necessary i'm not talking i'm not talking about (laughs) well what what do we do when stuff didn't work we pull the thing up (laughs) 
stick it back in. If that didn't work, we'd hit reset. You know, like some of us need that. Some of us are the cartridge that needs to be pulled out of our world. The Bible to just blow all the dust off you. And replug you back in to what God's doing in the world. So often, we get so caught up in our politics, or we get caught up in our jobs, or we get caught up in our kids, or we get caught up in the church. We, we get caught up in so many things. We need a reset. We need a reset. It's one of the reasons that church plants are successful so often is because people come to a church plant knowing that they're back on mission. So it's what happens to us. It's why we're going back to the book of Acts is because what happens is when stuff becomes comfortable, we, we, we need a reset to the priorities that God laid out, not that we lay out. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with that? That, that what we're going to see here, you, if you've read your Bible ever and are familiar with the story of Acts, these verses are going to be familiar. They're ones that we even quote. But what's fascinating about them is when you just slow down and look at what God was doing and in the context of how he's doing it, uh, there is much for us to learn. So go, go to Acts and, and look at how it starts. It says this in verse 1, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with, but first of all, before we even go farther, who's I and what's this other book? Right? If you're, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that could, you could already be lost. All right? The book that's being referred to is the Gospel of Luke, and the I that's doing the writing is Luke himself. Luke's kind of an interesting guy. He was a doctor. He was an, a historian. Really, he was an investigative reporter through the book of Acts as he's watching the birth of the church, that first church, the first century church, unfold and then go crazy across the Middle East and known world. Luke is an eyewitness. We're getting first-hand information. But what he says was, in the first book, I was doing something that I'm going to continue doing. The first book was the Gospel of Luke. Luke is the traveling companion of Paul, the Apostle Paul. And how many of you know when you're getting shipwrecked and beaten up for your faith and left for dead and stoned and things like this, it's good to have a doctor on hand, right? And so he's traveling with Paul. He's recording what's happening through the book of Acts. He's the reporter. And he did that about Jesus. He gathered the facts in the book of Luke and wrote them down for us. And he says in verse 1, he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Language is important. He says, I started recording all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what's the implication for you and I as we read through the book of Acts that Jesus is still doing what he began to do when he walked on earth? It's incredibly important for you and I that God didn't just do something and then say, I'm done. 
God came and did his thing so that we could do our thing. And what we want to wrap our hands around and our hearts around and our heads around is what is the thing that God has called you and me to do? What are we supposed to do now? And he's going to tell us. But a little more about Luke. He's traveling with Paul, writing these things down, and he's an eyewitness, and he's literally writing down the things that the Holy Spirit's doing for the first time. What an awesome job that he got to do. He was likely not a Jew, and he was only mentioned three times in the New Testament. But think about that. Between the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. As far as sheer length goes, he wrote the majority of your New Testament. He was trusted with a lot of important information. And it's amazing that we still have it. But here's what's pretty incredible. Through all of it, he stayed faithful to Jesus. There's a record of him outside the Bible in church history. And here's what it says. It was written about 100 years after Luke was alive. It says, indeed, Luke was an Antioch, an Antiochian Syrian, a doctor by profession, a disciple of the apostles. Later, however, he followed Paul until his martyrdom. He remained faithful to the end. And he was killed for his faith. He died for Jesus, a faithful man, godly man. He never had a wife. He never fathered children that we know of. And he died at the age of 84. Here's what that record says. Full of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you love that to be on your tombstone? Here was you. Lived to be 84 years old. And man, they died full of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you love for your cup to be filled up and overflowing to where what people remember you for was that you would be full of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome thing. But as we come and we listen to what he says, it's going to be important for you and I to grasp what the Holy Spirit's power is for in your life. Because there's a lot of opinions about the Holy Spirit out there. If you were to Google who is the Holy Spirit you would have enough information, contradictory information, to wade through for the rest of your life. Most of it bad. <laughs> There's people who have garnered a lot of fame in this world today because of bad teaching on the Holy Spirit. So all I simply want to do is, is I want you to just look at your Bible and ask God, who is the Holy Spirit? And I want to do it in, in two parts briefly this morning, okay? But, but let's read the text. So Luke says, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, the ascension, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Is anybody glad that Jesus is alive, right? That 
He went to the cross. He died for your sin. He died for my sin, for all of his people's sin. And then he rose three days later and ascended to heaven 40 days after that. That is the gospel that regardless of what's happening in your life, Jesus said it is finished when he goes on the cross. That no matter how bad your week was, no matter how bad you were this week, no matter what's happening against you or to you or with you or for you, good or bad, Jesus on that cross said it was finished. And some of you, that's all you need to hear today. You just need to be encouraged by the fact that no matter what else is going on in the world, Jesus loved you, died for you, and is for you and not against you. Those are all Bible verses. Some of you, that's just, that's all you need today to live this week in light of Jesus. Then there's some others of you (laughs) who you need You need some more. You need a reset of what God's doing. And here's verse 4. And while staying with them, the disciples, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. (coughs) So when they had come together... They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. I love these next two verses. You gotta, I want you to see the humor, okay? The Bible's not all, some of it's fun. Okay, so you, you, you paying attention? It says, they just watched the God of the universe lift off the ground and literally... Fly away. Okay? You, you got that mental picture? You're going to need it for what comes next. Listen to this. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, totally understandable, right? God just floated away in the clouds. Pretty awesome. They're like I was there. <laughs> if they had Instagram, it would have been a story and a post. And then they would have saved the story, which you can do now, which is weird. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. First of all, that's funny. They were angels. That's pretty awesome too, right? Look at verse 11. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? At this point, you and I would be like, What's wrong with this guy? (laughs) Duh. God just flew away. Like really, God just flew away. Sometimes we get so lost in just reading stuff that we forget what actually happened. 
They were standing on the ground, just like you and me. God was right here, and he floated away. How would, what would you do? He'd do this. And he'd stand there probably a lot longer than they did. We do that sometimes just because we're tired. <laughs> uh, why are you standing looking into heaven? And listen to what they said after that. Nanoseconds after watching Jesus go away. Look at what he says. This Jesus, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, listen to this, don't miss this, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What's the implication? Stop standing around. Stop gazing into heaven. Look at the context. What did Jesus say? Go and wait because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And what was the Holy Spirit given to the disciples for? What is he given to you and I for? Power to be, verse 8, my what? So, I'm going to step on your toes. You be ready. Okay. So, if you're not, if you weren't last week, if you don't plan to be this week, his witness, I want to be the far less cool guy in a white robe this morning telling you, what are you doing And by the way, I'm I'm the first person. I mean, I get it. I see it too. What what we need to remember is, if we're not being His witness, we're not doing what He put us here to do. Listen, I'm not mad at you. I feel just as guilty as you do. Some of you are doing awesome at it. You should just smile on the inside. Because <laughs> some of you are great at it. But the vast majority of God's church, at least in this country, the ones we rub shoulders with, us right here, right now, that doesn't describe our life. Look at it. But you, somebody say me, will receive Power. Such a good Greek word too. It's dunamis, dynamite. How many of you, your life is like, you walk up to somebody and tell them about Jesus, it's like, boom! <laughs> like that's what the word means. Dynamite. Does that describe your relationships with people and sharing them about Jesus? We say, I don't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. God saved you. God wanted you. What more is there to say? Wait, listen, I don't have all the answers, which is a good thing, because if I did, I wouldn't need God. That's what you say. Science doesn't have any more answers than this book. 
Science is great. It's awesome. History is great. It's awesome. And none of it refutes what God had to say. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that has come upon you to be his witness. And the, the other stuff in there is really important too. You see, because this little transaction happened between Jesus and his disciples in this moment. First of all, they asked the wrong question. Jesus has just died and rose again. Incredible. And the first thing they asked him after spending three years with him was, so, are you going to right now restore the kingdom to us? It's the wrong question. It's just, it's just the wrong question. For, then, he said, then Jesus replies to them and says, first of all, it's none of your business. <laughs> it's none of your business. He says, but here's what is your business. You're going to go take the kingdom to everyone else. It's not about me bringing my kingdom to you. It's about you bringing my kingdom to them. That's what you're here for. And as your pastor, one of the things that happens to you and one of the things that happens to me so easily in this life is we get wrapped up in all of our stuff. I'm not against stuff. I like stuff. (laughs) But I'm against stuff when it comes between you and the kingdom of God. Luke said that Jesus came back to life and he spent 40 days doing what? He had just come back to life and he said, I need to have 40 days to talk about one thing. What did he say he was going to talk about for 40 days? The kingdom of God. And then he looked at his disciples and said, what I've started is now your job. And I'm going to go away, and that's going to be good. Because I'm going to send you personally the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You see, see why that's such a good image? And, and it's why we baptize people the way we do, fully underwater. Because what happens when you get baptized and you get dunked all under the water? You come out what? What? Great answer. Wet. <laughs> Spiritually, yes. <laughs> maybe not in our maybe not in our water. It's city of Tampa water. I guess it's pretty good to drink though, from, from what I hear. You come out soaking wet. So when Jesus says, I'm gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit and give you his power, when he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, you should come out wet. Soaking wet with the Holy Spirit. But not just soaking wet for the Holy Spirit. Soaking wet in the Holy Spirit to do what? 
be his witness. That's what it's all about. You are a disciple who is supposed to make disciples. We put on our wall three things. We love God, we share good news, and we serve the city. I might have stepped on your toes today, but I want you to know it's really good news. The fact that in Jesus you have everything you could possibly need to go serve others expecting nothing in return is only a work of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you and I, we don't, we don't do that. We, we just don't do that. It's not natural to do that. And when we meet somebody who does do that, we tend to like glorify them as people. Like, wow, that, was, that, person, that, that person was awesome. They really loved God. But that's supposed to be the norm. But that's, that's, what I love about this too is he doesn't tell you how to do it. <laughs> he, he doesn't give you a formula. God's word is not your formula or foremost your manual for living. It has that. And you can't go wrong by that. But that's not the main point. The main point is the kingdom of God. That God came to earth and he's still doing things. And he's asked you to join him in the renewal of all those things. Why don't you stand with me? The band's going to come up. We're going we're gonna to sing together. But I, I, want you to do, I want you to do something really specific with me. I want you to just write where you're at. As, as we sing and listen... Most of the time I want you to sing. You don't have to sing right now if you don't want to. All right? But I want you to go before the Lord. And I want you to ask Him to re-baptize you in His Holy Spirit. That you would be soaking wet in His Spirit. For some of us, we're going to have to make some changes for that to actually happen some of us have gotten so used to not being a witness that it's horrifying to be a witness and I just want you to know that there's good news at the cross that you can take that fear and nail it to the cross and tomorrow you can start being a witness you can go out and serve the city which, by the way, isn't just a slogan we have. It's, it's a lifestyle we want you to live. We have a couple events where you serve the city. But that's not the goal of that statement on the wall. That statement is there because as you recognize that God loves you and you love him, you can't help but share good news and serve your city. That you would just be a good neighbor because you have the chance to share good news. And so what I want to call you to do is uh, intentionally at the beginning of this series in the book of Acts about that first century church, ask God to take over your life in the 21st century church and that you would live in the power of His Holy Spirit. So you listen to this song.
and you sing along and you pray, ask God to do that.